Welcome to Encouraging Truths for Today. We're glad to bring you this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. Now please join us as we learn to grow deeper in our relationship with God and each other. Welcome to First Baptist Church here in Crockett, Texas. Once again, we hope that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your faith as we continue to experience circumstances and events that perhaps we never have before. I want to turn your attention to a pastor that addressed his congregation under similar circumstances. His name was Charles Spurgeon. He preached in the 1800s in London, England. He was known and continues to be known as the Prince of Preachers. During a cholera outbreak, it became an epidemic that swept through England and the city of London. He addressed his congregation on August 12, 1866, in a message entitled, The Voice of Cholera. It was a message based on verses from Amos chapter three. But I think some of what he said really puts our circumstances and the events that we are experiencing in a better perspective. So here's what Charles Spurgeon said. It is much to be feared that a constant run of prosperity perpetual peace and freedom from disease may breed in our minds just what it has done in all human minds before, namely security and pride, heathenism and forgetfulness of God. It is a most solemn fact, he says, that human nature can scarcely bear a long continuance of peace and health. It is almost necessary that we should be every now and then salted with affliction, lest we putrefy with sin. He goes on to talk about the current events of his day. Already I've been told by Christian brethren laboring in the east of London that there is a greater willingness to listen to gospel truth and that if there be a religious service, it is more acceptable to the people now than it was for which I thank God as an indication that affliction is answering its purpose. That would be my prayer for us, that this affliction would answer its purpose as everything should do in our lives, and that is point us to Christ. And so I wanna point your attention today to Hebrews chapter 10. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 10 that we typically turn to to rebuke someone for not attending church, or we might use this for grounds of talking about how absenteeism from corporate worship affects your life. But today, I want us to think of it in a positive sense. So let me ask you a question. Are you missing church? Your first response might be to say, well, yes, I am. That's why I'm watching this online right now. That's why I am kept here in my home, unable to attend public worship. Yes, I'm missing church. But think about those words in another way. Are you really missing church? Are you missing that gathering of believers with whom you worship? those from whom you draw strength and encouragement. You see, there are two tragedies regarding church attendance. 
One of those is when it becomes a ritual for us and we attend without being attentive. The other would be that we could miss without really missing it. And so if you are a committed believer in Christ and you are a faithful attender of those public gatherings with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the very fact that you are missing that gathering, you are missing church, is a great reflection on your spiritual life if you are missing it for the proper reasons. So that's what I want us to put our focus on today. Are you really missing church? In Hebrews chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, which is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Let's pray together. Father, although we are separated by uh, distance physically as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a common nearness to you where we are right now. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the high price that was paid for that, that nearness to you that comes only from Jesus Christ, your son. So, Father, now I pray that you would guide us as we look at this passage of Scripture, that you would please speak to us through your word, because unless you speak, I have nothing at all to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a phrase that's been heard repeatedly on the news the past week. It's the phrase of sheltering in. That means self-quarantine, they say, voluntarily and under pressure, coming to a place where you're willing to stay sheltered in. The situation we're in now is so different than many of the disasters we faced as a nation and as churches. In the past, when there was a need to shelter in, we did so within our congregations. We would gather and shelter in for prayer and we would shelter in for worship and we would shelter in to look at the pages of God's word. But this particular tragedy and disaster that's happening right now through uh, the coronavirus is preventing that sheltering in together. And so even as we attempt to do so, 
uh, through modern technology, which is wonderful, there's still that limitation of being able to shelter in together. And so what I believe is that in times of health and prosperity, it's also very easy to take for granted corporate worship. And we act as if, well, if I miss this week, it'll be there next week. Do you realize how precious corporate worship is around the globe to believers who are in hostile areas where they cannot gather publicly? And when they do, it is a very special, solemn, but joyful gathering together as believers. I think we'll taste some of that feeling when we are able once again to gather for public worship. But I wonder, have you taken public worship for granted? Have you taken for granted the opportunity to be with fellow believers and to greet them with handshakes and, and hugs and those personal greetings that we give one another? Have you taken for granted that face-to-face -face fellowship that we are so blessed to share week after week after week? So I ask you again, are you missing church? Are you really missing it? If you are, you are in good company. David expresses his thoughts about missing that place of worship, unable to go there in a time of struggle and challenge. He says in Psalm 42, 1 through 4, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, he says in verse five to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You hear the, the desperate longing he had and the, the sad reflection in his mind as he reflected on that ability to go with fellow pilgrims to worship together? Then also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you find the Apostle Paul talking about his longing to be there to worship and teach and interact with the believers in Thessalonica. In verse 17 of chapter 2, he says this, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. That just really sums up my emotions and my desires this morning to be with you and to share the presence of God together. So do you miss gathering with fellow believers in corporate worship? I'm, I'm sure many of us do. But a better question to ask would be this. Why do you miss gathering 
with fellow believers for corporate worship. You see, through the years of almost 36 years of pastoring, I've heard people express different reasons why they desire to be in corporate worship. At times, I am very saddened to hear people who are very faithful in their attendance at the church building express only social desires for worship. That's where I get to be with people. That's where I meet my friends. Others have said that's where I make business contacts. How tragic that is to come to God's house focused on everyone but him. But there are others who have spiritual reasons. They love attending corporate worship. They are those who live in the reality of the text we read a moment ago from Hebrews chapter 10. I want us to focus on some of those spiritual realities that create that longing in our heart when we are unable to physically gather for worship. So first of all, we should miss gathering together for worship because we are bonded by the blood of Christ. We are bonded by his blood. Look at the text with me in Hebrews chapter 10. The author there says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. And then he continues, but just think about that. We have boldness to enter that most holy place and a more slang view of it, the headquarters of heaven, the, the throne room of the universe has been opened to us by the blood of Christ. And there is something significant when we together enter into that place of his presence that we cannot experience alone by ourselves. And there in the presence of our father with a common commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ for whom our, his blood was shed for us, by whom his blood was shed for us, we come there as brothers and sisters in Christ regardless of other settings and other standings and other measurements of our lives. We are brothers and sisters in Christ bonded by his blood. And so if you can miss worship and not ever give any thought to those who are brothers and sisters bonded to you with the blood of Jesus, then that calls into question much about your spiritual condition. In Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul is discussing and addressing an issue in the church at Ephesus. It's the issue of interacting together as Jews and Gentiles. He is talking about the, the seriousness of what Christ did for us on the cross, regardless of our people group or nationality. And in Ephesians 2, he says this, beginning in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down that middle wall of division between us 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore by putting to death the enmity. You hear the powerful statement there? He has brought us to a place of not only peace with God, but peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ that are so diverse from us and so different, but absolutely alike in the grace of God. So we should miss corporate worship when we're unable to attend because we are bonded by his blood. But secondly, we should miss gathering together for corporate worship because we have full assurance. When we gather together, it is a strengthening of that full assurance that we have in Christ. Look back with me at Hebrews chapter 10. He says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. If you're not found, if you are not spending time in the word, if you're not spending time in the presence of the Father talking to him in prayer, if you're not spending time walking with God alongside fellow believers that, that your assurance suffers from that, your heart becomes less true without that constant accountability in your life from fellow believers. And so when we gather with others who have that true heart and that full assurance, it strengthens us in a way that nothing else can. So the reality is we have assurance from God, but we also have reassurance from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our fellow believers strengthen our faith and and reassure us of the assurance that we have with God. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter one. He was talking of his desire to come to Rome and to meet some of those brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says this in verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. That mutual faith, that assurance we have in Christ strengthens us mutually when we gather for corporate worship. Then there's a third reason we should have a desire to be with our fellow believers. And that is because we refocus on God's faithfulness. If you look back at Hebrews chapter 10, once again, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. You see, through the week, in between times of corporate worship, we can be confronted with a lot of unfaithfulness. We can find people in our society very unfaithful to their employers, to their spouses, to their families, to the government, etc. 
We can find events in our lives like illness and loss of job or anything that's going on right now. And that, that can cause many to question the faithfulness of God. And isolated, alone, apart from fellow believers in Christ, that can grow and begin to affect your heart. But the reality is when we come together in corporate worship, our faith is strengthened mutually from one to another. And that assurance is built and that assurance rests on refocusing on the faithfulness of God. He remains faithful. Even when our circumstances are shouting, no, he is not, we say from God's word and in chorus with fellow believers, yes, he is faithful. So corporate worship tightens our grip on that confession of hope that he's mentioning there in verse 13, uh, 23. Corporate worship reinforces and steadies us with the world shaking around us because we gather with fellow believers. Have you not found that that full assurance many times is reinforced and strengthened when you're able to lean in to fellow believers. The scripture tells us that we're to bear one another's burdens. We're to come alongside those who have fallen into sin to encourage them lest we stumble and fall. We are to come together and to support and build up one another. And so when that happens, great assurance comes to our lives and it all centers on refocusing on the faithfulness of God. But then verse 24 says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider one another. One thing that we are trying to do through this broadcast and other means is to consider you. Many people at this time may feel forgotten. Can you imagine going through a crisis like this without Christ and without a body of believers? It's time to consider one another. Every text you send to a fellow believer and church member is an encouragement and a reminder that you're considering them and you're focused on them. And the best way to express that many times is in corporate worship. Which brings us to the fourth point, and that is this. We should miss gathering together for corporate worship because we stir up love and good works. I've thought many times, there are people that only get one hug a week or a handful of hugs a week, and that's in worship on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about a forced greeting time, but a time where people genuinely reach out and love and greet each other. That's a time where love is stirred up and good works is stirred up. We are inspired by one another to do what is good and to do what is right. So it says here that we are to gather together, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Some of you might facetiously say, well, I do my best to stir up the church. Well, in reality, that's the wrong way to do it. You want to stir up love and good works. In 1 John chapter 3, it speaks of the love that we have from God and for fellow believers. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says this. We know that we have passed from death to life 
because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Did you hear what it said in verse 14? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Now, some people would say, well, I have no need for the church. I, I believe in God, but I just have no use for the church or any of those Christians. Well, the reality is uh, that's not a statement about the church. That's a statement about you. It says we know and we have assurance that we have passed from death to life because we love fellow believers. If we have no desire to express love for God by loving fellow believers, the, the scripture here goes on to say that he who does not love still abides in spiritual death. Later in 1 John, we're challenged with these words in chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now that's good news, isn't it? We're always prone to say, well, yes, I love God, but it's people I have a problem with. Well, here's the reality. If you have problems with brothers and sisters in Christ, you have problems with the Father because that is a way that you express your deep love and your spiritual condition is by stirring up love, which produces good works. So when we gather for corporate worship and we're unable to at some point, uh, we miss being immersed in the love that we have for the Father and the love from the Father that we extend to fellow believers. Then there's a fifth and final thing I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We should miss those gatherings of corporate worship because we encourage one another through accountability and anticipation. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the matter of some, but exhorting one another. The word exhorting might be more familiar to us in the form of the word encouraging one another. The word encouraging is a very interesting word in the Greek language in which it was originally written here. It's the word parakaleo, which means to call to one side. Para means alongside and kaleo means to call. So it simply means to call to one side. It means to encourage by coming alongside one another. It means inviting someone to come alongside you life on life and you bracing each other and encouraging each other and holding each other accountable and, and bringing hope in the lives of each other. The writer here is saying to believers, come alongside each other. 
and help each other. Not just in times of crisis, but in everyday life. Parakaleo, encourage one another. That's also written in the present active. What that means is that it is a statement of something that is to happen and continually happen. That word as it's written in this present active voice is encourage and keep on continuously encouraging one another. Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, stop, I've had plenty of encouragement. No, I don't think any of us get enough encouragement. That's why we should extend that to each other in a spiritual sense, not just a social sense. It has to be much more than you look nice today or you have a great personality. It has to be spiritual qualities in their lives and, and things that you are blessed by from them and ways in which you can encourage one another with spiritual truth and, and just considering one another. There's so many ways to encourage one another. That same word appears in Hebrews chapter three. It's, it's in the form of a warning in Hebrews chapter three. Verses 12 through 14. Beware, brethren, that gets my attention, doesn't it yours? Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You remember what kind of heart was mentioned in Hebrews chapter 10? A true heart. Here, he's addressing an unbelieving evil heart that would depart from the living God. Then beware that that happened in your heart because you wander from God in your heart long before you wander physically. But he says this, but exhort or encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Do you hear the built-in accountability of that type of encouragement life on life? Haven't you found that when you are living an untrue life, you don't want to be around fellow believers? You kind of distance yourself from the church because you have already distanced yourself from the Father. Our attitude toward corporate gatherings with fellow believers does reflect a lot about our spiritual condition, doesn't it? And so here in both passages in Hebrews, it's talking about the necessary accountability that we need by coming alongside each other. That's why it's so important for me to be involved with people in small groups of a variety of ages in my ministry. I noticed the other day that on a Monday, I started the day with preteens and teenagers in our homeschool co-op teaching the Bible. I spent time that evening with adults and senior adults in uh, our assisted living facility here. Then on Wednesday, I taught kindergarten through second graders uh, Bible truths. And in each of those groups, there's some built-in accountability, isn't there? Accountability to be prepared and accountability to be transparent and honest, kind and loving. We all need each other because when we gather together, we encourage one another through accountability, but also so anticipation. That's another great need in our lives to anticipate something beyond right now. Now, I know many of us are short-sighted 
right now and just living for the end of this virus, living for the flattening of the curve, as they say in the media. But there's so much more ahead for us as believers in Jesus Christ. We look forward to his soon return in his second coming. That's what the passage here in Hebrews 10, 25 is referring to. He's talking about an urgency of anticipation, so much the more longing to be together as we see the day approaching. As close as his coming could be, it's important that we have a desire to be together because we are going to be together throughout all eternity. So we need each other because we encourage one another through accountability and anticipation. It's a, a lifting up of one another, a looking up together to the skies at the prize of the coming of Jesus Christ. So I hope that this has encouraged you. Although we are at a distance physically, I sense a spiritual closeness together as we worship in this manner. And I wanna offer you words as a benediction from 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and his saints. Let's pray together. Father, I pray you would use our conversations this week to lift up Jesus. Many of those conversations will be through texting or emails or Facebook posts, a variety of things that we are using now to communicate our faith. And I pray that they would be uplifting and encouraging for brothers and sisters in Christ that feel at a, rather an arm's length from us right now. Please encourage them and bless them. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we read a moment ago in Ephesians 3, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. Aren't we grateful for that? It talks later about being one body in verse 16 through the cross where Christ's body was broken for us. Although we are at a distance from each other, we experience a closeness to God as we share communion together today. And so I want to remind you that Christ's body was broken for us as his body of believers who would come to put our faith and trust in him. And also he has removed that distance between us and him, but also the distance between each other through the shedding of his blood. And Father, we thank you for the reality of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. May that motivate us to be what you have called us to be as individuals and as a body even as we are at a distance from each other right now. And may we proclaim his death in every opportunity that we have so that others might come to know Christ as we do.
And we pray this in his name. Amen. God bless you. We would like to thank you for joining us for this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. First Baptist desires to be a house of prayer with a heart for people, making a difference by making disciples from our neighborhood to the nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, please visit www.firstcrockett.org. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you.